I'm excited uh, for today. I'm excited that Liam is going to be with us for a while. I had, uh, had the opportunity this last week to spend some time with him, and I, was, I already knew he could do the job, uh, but you know, in conversation, I uh, learned more about him as a person and his heart for worship, his heart for people, and uh, maybe most importantly, his heart for God. And so I think we have, uh, our prayers have been answered as we've been praying for someone to lead us in worship. So that's great. And thank Kellen for last week, Philippians 3. All right. I thank him for giving me extra time with my granddaughter who's here. So uh, thank you, Kellen. Today, so we're going to continue our study in our values. This is what we at Bridges believe to be important, what our decisions and actions are based on. We have seven core values. They're summarized here on the, what are those things called? Posters? Things? Uh, And so far we've covered the first three. We value bringing glory to God. We value reliance on the Word of God, and we value including members in ministry. Now this week, we come to our fourth value. We value dependence on prayer. We certainly value prayer, and we understand our dependence on prayer. In reality, we're completely dependent on God, but God has given us this gift of prayer. As the hymn so aptly states, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And it's through prayer, I believe more than anything else, that we express our dependence on God. So you you could say we value and show our dependence on God through prayer. And God's Word, over and over, calls us in our dependence to come to God in prayer. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, which is the main verse we'll refer to this morning, the Apostle Paul exhorts, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Remember, all our values are derived from our second value, reliance on God's Word. And Colossians 4, 2 is just one of many examples of the value God's Word puts on prayer. The question is, do we as a church, do we as individuals share that value? Are our lives characterized by continuing steadfastly in prayer? Do we even know what that means? Is prayer a crucial part of who we are as a people? Or is it just one of those uh, to-dos, Christian to-dos, that we often struggle with? If we at Bridges say that we value dependence on prayer, then we, and I mean each one of us, including myself, must make it a priority in our lives. Our lives must reflect our values, otherwise they're really not our values. Prayer can't be the thing we we get to if there's time. It must be the thing we make time for, the thing we do with our time. And to do that, I believe we need to have a clear understanding of what prayer is. It may seem basic, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics. So 
First point, what is prayer? I think we too often mysticize prayer, but it's not uh, very mysterious. The main uh, words used for prayer, to pray in the New Testament, include both the ideas of worship and supplication. To come to God in an attitude of worship and supplicate. To ask Him for things. Uh, We pour out our needs before Him. That's what we find in the Lord's Prayer. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, uh, teach us to pray. And with a few introductory instructions that are important, but we won't look at them today, Jesus then says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You come to God with an attitude and with words of worship. Father, your name is holy, hallowed. You're to be hallowed in our lives. Recognize, first and foremost, who you're praying to. The holy God, the holy, holy, holy God. And then what follows in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' teaching here, is a series of requests. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. As Jesus taught, prayer is mainly asking God for things. And by things, I don't mean only objects, uh, stuff. Yes, we do ask for our daily bread, our provisions. We're dependent on God for our physical needs. But we also ask Him to intervene in our world, to bring His kingdom and His will into our world. We ask Him to intervene in our lives, to to meet our emotional and our spiritual needs, to forgive our sins to help us overcome the sin, the temptations, and evil that so easily beset us. Now, the Lord's Prayer is not the limit of what we pray. It is, however, the instructive example given by Christ. And it shows that prayer involves coming to God in dependence on Him to meet our needs. And in reality, our biggest need is God Himself, to know Him, to trust in Him, to love Him, to obey Him, to serve Him. And God has given us uh, the privilege of prayer that we might draw near to Him and beseech Him for these things, not just for ourselves, but also for our brothers and sisters in Christ. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible is found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In chapter 1, he tells the church what he, what he is praying, asking God for them. Verse 16, we read, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have, He has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And Paul, and he goes on. Now, I'd encourage you to to take time this week to read that prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 and and pray it. Pray it for yourself. Pray it for your brothers and sisters in Christ. But my point is this. In this prayer, and many others in Scripture, we see that prayer includes asking God for a deeper relationship with him. 
So in summary, prayer is coming to God with an attitude and words of worship, and then acknowledging our dependence on Him by asking Him to meet our physical, our emotional, our spiritual needs, and, and that, those of others as well. And I, I know there's more to, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I know there's all of that. I know that our relationship with God is more than asking. We should come confessing, giving thanks and praise, and we should uh, come ready to listen, ready to hear from the Lord. In a broad sense, all of that includes is what we include in prayer. But, but speaking precisely, prayer is requesting, it's asking. Thank, that's why Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Thanking God should always be part of what we do when we come to Him, but prayer in the strict sense means requesting, supplicating. Question uh, number 89, I know you guys all know this, in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this. What is prayer? The answer is, prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God in the name of Christ by the help of the Spirit with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. Notice the main thing. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God. That's the main meaning of prayer. With confession, that's included in there, and with thankful acknowledgement for His mercies. But I'm going to focus today on this requesting. I think sometimes we, we feel bad. We're requesting things of God. I'm going to try to eliminate any of that this morning. The essence of prayer is the expression of our dependence on God through requests. God wants, even commands us, to demonstrate our dependence on Him by continuing steadfastly in asking Him for the needs and desires of our hearts. And like I said, this may not seem quite right, because we certainly do not want people to continually ask us for stuff, no matter how great their need or desire is. In fact, it can get kind of irritating even when those we love, our children, our grandchildren, continue to ask us for something over and over again. No, David, we're not going to watch Blimpy on YouTube. If you're a parent of a small child, you probably know who Blimpy is. I don't like him. No, I'm just kidding. He's fine. <laughs> but God is not us. I know that's profound. Jesus said about prayer in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. The Greek not only says that we are to ask, seek, and knock, but it implies that we are to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It calls for persistence, perseverance, earnestness, and diligence in prayer. God wants us to continue steadfastly in prayer, to continually express our dependence on Him by asking, by beseeching, uh, begging might even be appropriate, Him to meet our every need. He does. He really wants that. In fact, that's our next point. God delights in our prayers. God loves to be asked for things. Proverbs 15.8, the prayer of the upright is His delight. 
He's so eager to hear our prayers and respond to them that in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, he says, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. In fact, in his relationship with Israel, he took special steps to see to it that he, he was constantly being asked. Isaiah 62, 6 through 7. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in the remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Specific prayer, establishing Jerusalem for the children of Israel, God desired to be asked for things so much that he appointed people to give him no rest and to never keep silent, to continue to remind the Lord. God delights in the prayers of his children. And we, uh, those who trust in his son, Jesus Christ, we today are his children. So let me be clear. God, the creator of the universe, the one who holds our life in his hands and he rules and reigns sovereignly over all things, he's the kind of God that loves for his people to ask him to meet their needs. There's no, uh, I can handle this one, God. You stay out of this. He wants us to invite him into all of our issues, all of our needs. So why is that? Why does God not only command that we ask him for things, but delight in our doing that? What's behind this delight in our asking him for things? Well, I believe there are two answers to that question related two parts. First, because God's very nature, by his very nature, he is a giver. God is a giver. The Apostle John teaches us that God is love, right? And love cares for the needs and desires of the one love. That, that means love gives. For God so loved the world, He gave. It's His very nature to be a giver. Paul, in Romans chapter 11, verses 35 and 36, speaking of God, says, Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And in Acts 17.25 we read, Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. There's nothing we have that God does not already own. There's nothing we have that God has not freely given us. All things are his He needs nothing from you or from me. Therefore, God is always the giver. So the first reason God delights in our prayers is because He's the giver. He wants to give. His nature is to give. And this results in the second reason He delights in our prayer, because the giver gets the glory. This relates back to our our first value. We value bringing God glory. And if you remember, God values His own glory. I will share my glory with no one, with none other. I am the unique God of the universe, the creator of all things, and I am to be glorified. Not me, Him. Right? And one of the ways God receives glory is by giving. Again, Romans 11, 36, for From Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. When God gives, 
God is glorified. Glory belongs to the giver, not the getter. Getters look uh, and are needy. Givers look and are self-sufficient. This ancient story illustrates the point. Among those in the court of Alexander the Great was a philosopher of outstanding ability but little money. He asked Alexander for financial help and was told to draw whatever he needed from the imperial treasury. But when the man requested an amount equal to $50,000, he was refused because the treasurer needed to verify that such a large sum was authorized. When he asked Alexander, the ruler replied, pay the money at once. The philosopher has done me a singular honor. By the largeness of his request, he shows that he has understood both my wealth and generosity. And we honor, we glorify God when we request things from him. We show our faith in his wealth and his generosity. God gives us prayer because he wants us to see him as gloriously wealthy and generous, a a gloriously and wealthy, generous giver. And he wants us to see ourselves as totally dependent on him. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. God answers our call for help so that we get the deliverance and he gets the glory. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Clear. In a similar way, in John 14, 13, Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that... You will be healthy, wealthy, and wise? No. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask for things in my name. Why? Yes, so your needs will be met. But more importantly, so the Father may be glorified. God is glorified when He answers our prayers out of His glorious riches and generosity. Are you getting the idea? God wills that you pray. Now, this doesn't always mean that God will give you everything you ask. There's that part, asking according to His will. There's that part that God loves you enough to give you only what's best for you. He's not going to give you things that will destroy you. Lord, I really need to, to win that lottery. And, 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 and you know, the statistics, if I understand correctly, are most people that win the lottery end up broke and destitute and all kinds of problems. So he gives us uh, not always what we desire, but what's best for us. He wills that you ask him for things, though, for your physical needs, for your emotional needs, for your spiritual needs. And he not only wills it, but he delights in it. Why? Because God delights in showing the fullness of his love and grace and mercy by meeting the needs of of humble, dependent, praying people. And when he meets our needs in response to prayer, two things happen. First, as God gives, our needs are met, and we can rejoice. It brings joy to us. It's for our good. And second, as God demonstrates his giving nature for all to see, he is glorified. It's a a win-win situation, right? And prayer is the key. Prayer is for our good 
and for God's glory. This means that prayer is, is central to why God created us. And a few, uh, a few weeks ago, we focused on the fact that we were created to bring God glory. And now we know that prayer is a key part of God being glorified. So prayer is not some optional thing in our Christian life. It's not a thing that some people do and others don't. Prayer is at the heart of why God created us. We are created in the image of God to bring Him glory. And God delights in our good by displaying His glory through giving in response to prayer. We need to think about this, to meditate on this, to think about how prayer helps to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. If you're not praying, you're not doing what you were created to do. We need to think about how prayerlessness deprives us of our good and God's glory. This is deep stuff, but I believe we, we can embrace this truth that the key to our good and God's glory is found in prayer. Then our motivation to pray will grow. If you get that, if, you, if prayer is how God is glorified, it's how I receive from Him, it's how I get what's best for me, because only God knows what's best for you. You do not. And I think our motivation for prayer will grow. I think at the heart of uh, this message, of any time we talk about prayer, is that, is that we increase in our, in our prayer. We'll understand that God delights in our prayer, and this will result in our devotion to prayer. That's our next point. Be devoted to prayer. Back to Colossians 4.2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. There's one Greek word for that phrase, continue steadfastly. Proskar ter air. It's like it's really hard to pronounce when I probably didn't do that right. But anyway, it contains the ideas of earnestness, of perseverance, of diligence, of continuing in. The NIV and the NASB both translate it, devote. Devote yourselves to prayer. And this just makes sense, doesn't it? If prayer is, is so great and central to God's purpose for your life, for your joy, for your good, if prayer is how we show our dependence on Him and how He receives glory, it just makes sense that God would tell us, command us, encourage us to continue steadfastly in prayer, to devote ourselves to prayer. This idea is not just found in Colossians. Five other times in the New Testament, we find the same Greek word that I'm not going to pronounce in relation to prayer. Three of those times are found uh, right early in the book of Acts, as the church is beginning. Acts 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. There are other things we're to devote ourselves to, but today we're talking about prayer. And in Acts 6-4, the apostles said, uh, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of God's Word. So clearly, devotion to prayer was crucial to the early church, and that devotion was to continue. To the church in Rome, maybe some of you remember this, Romans 12-12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant, same word, devoted in prayer. 
And to the church in Ephesus, he writes, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Same, same word, making supplication for all the saints. So I hope it's clear that, that the Scripture teaches uh, we are to be devoted to prayer. This means we, we must pray often, pray regularly. Prayer is not infrequent. It's not a hit-miss thing. Maybe some of you are thinking, oh man, that's a problem, right? Many of us uh, struggle with prayer. I love to read God's Word, but that prayer thing just befuddles me. We know it's important, and yet we fail to make it important in our lives. Continue steadfastly in prayer means you're to make, you must take steps to see prayer as an important part of your regular life. The same way eating and drinking and sleeping are. And that takes us to our final point this morning. As a church that, that, that at least says we value dependence on God through prayer, we must not only be de- devoted to prayer, we must be disciplined in prayer. We must take steps to see that prayer is part of our regular daily lives. This is implied in Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful. Being watchful means that you work against distractions and hindrances. You do what you must to stay awake and stay on task. It means that you do what you have to do to make prayer a regular part of your daily life. And that takes discipline. Difficult word, self-control. Uh, luckily, we receive that as part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, I forget any, and self-control. So with the rest of our time, I'd like to just get very practical. Give some practical some suggestions that I hope can help us grow in our prayer lives. These are things that have helped me and, and others remain disciplined in our prayers, And I will say this, I haven't always been disciplined in my prayers. I have to come back to these. Oh, I've lost it here. Let's go back to this idea of discipline. First, in the area of being disciplined, schedule a time for prayer. You may say, I don't want a specific time. You know, I'm kind of a free kind of guy. I want to pray throughout the day. I want to be continually in prayer. Well, amen to that. Paul teaches us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. But it's not true that we must choose between scheduling prayer in solitude and praying uh, and prayer being a natural part of our daily life. If you want to walk in prayer all day long, you'll need to have a specific time of prayer, times of quiet communion with God. Why? Because you can't get deep with God on the run, fitting him into the cracks of your day. This wouldn't work with your relationship with your spouse. You need to set aside time for one another, and the same thing is true with God. But you can, you can enjoy continual fellowship with God on the run when you have gone deep with God in the stillness of that scheduled prayer time. So yes, make it your goal to have your whole day a walking conversation with God. 
as you encounter various things and various people, you're just, there's this prayers going up. Father, give me the right words to say. Father, help me not to get irritated by this guy. So there's that. But the way to develop that continual prayer is to be disciplined in having regular daily times of prayer. You'll go deep with him in the moments of quiet focus, and this depth will make God real and present in the rest of your day. So I I suggest that you do that in the beginning of the day. Examine your schedule and decide on a time for this meeting with God in prayer. Now you might ask, uh, well, how long, how many times should these scheduled times of prayer be? Well, I, I don't have a specific answer. But I would say, and this is our second practical application, that we all should seek to grow in length and depth of prayer. Again, very practical. If you're doing nothing, if prayer, the last time you prayed, oh, when was that? Was it last week? Was it last month? Then start doing something. Get that scheduled time. Start where you are. Take a step. Then ask God, pray to God to grow your prayer time in both length and depth. I would say it can't be too long. I mean, we have jobs. Well, some of you do. I don't really have a job. No, just kidding. I mean, some of us are retired. That should be just a time devoted to prayer. Right, Sean? (laughs) God desires us to have a deep faith an uncompromising trust in Him, and and depth comes through time spent in the presence of the Lord. There must be extended times in the presence of God. It doesn't have to be one long time. It can be several planned shorter times. We'll look at this again when we get to the book of Daniel because he provides us with a great example, I think. He was a high-ranking political official in Babylon. He was a Jew, taken captivity into Babylon. He had enemies that caused a law to be passed that no one could pray except to the king. And in Daniel 6.10 we read, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, this law that he, he, that all people could only pray to the king, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. So not only do we see the courage and commitment, the depth of Daniel's prayer in an open window when his life was threatened, but we see that he was disciplined uh, to pray three times daily. I think there's something uh, to this three times daily model. I found it very helpful in my life to set aside time in the morning. That's usually the longer time. A time at lunch even, thanking God for your food and maybe a little bit more there. And a time before you go to sleep. Maybe praying with your spouse at that time. That's what Christina and I do. And with uh, alarms on your phone, you can set yourself any kind of prayer schedule you'd like. But don't do nothing. Devote yourself to prayer. Be disciplined. Schedule a time or times and continue to grow in the length and depth of your prayers. And along with that, one final application, develop a plan for prayer. Many things could be said about different prayer methods, 
I know uh, if I just say, okay, I'm going to pray, and I go, and I, just me, and I start praying, I kind of lose it. I lose focus. So this, these are things that help keep focus and help uh, just continually bring things to the Lord. Uh, I'm going to mention three practical ways that have been helpful to me. First, write out your prayers. There are many ways you could do this. You can keep a prayer journal. You can, keep a pra- uh, you can keep a prayer list on your computer, your tablet, your iPhone, or your phone. I have an iPhone. You might not have an iPhone. And there's apps for this. I think there's an app called Prayer Journal that I've used in the past. But if you're less comfortable with apps, one of those practical ways that I've found to plan prayer times is with an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. I think I learned this. Maybe Randy and Phyllis can help me. I think I learned this years and years ago before there were apps in a thing called Master Life. Do you guys remember that? Okay, Randy and Phyllis were leading that. And you take just an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and you fold it once and you fold it twice. This is not a magic trick, by the way. This is prayer. Okay. And see, interestingly, when you open it up, it's got, we got lines, and you could use a pencil or whatever to mark your lines, but you've got a total of eight sections, right, on one piece of paper. And uh, so what you do is you take and you mark the first one here daily, and then you take and you mark Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you got eight, one is daily, and the other seven are for each of the days of the week. And daily, you might put things on it. I mean, you might first want to say, uh, my soul, <laughs> you know, might be on your daily list. Because if God doesn't awaken and strengthen and humble and fill our souls, then you can't pray for anybody else's soul. So you might want to pray for myself. God, help me to grow in my relationship with you. Confessing your sins might be part of that. So plead with the Lord every day for your own soul for your perseverance, for your purification, for your power to live the Christian life. Other daily things might include uh, your family, your immediate family. I've found that, that daily prayer becomes, uh, becomes those things that are closest to my heart. I pray for my kids and for my grandkids every day. Another thing you could be praying for daily is a, a person or two in your life, someone you want to come to faith a person or two that you're seeking to share the gospel with. Allow prayer to break the hard ground of their soul that, that, that they might receive the gospel with joy. Australian theologian Sidlow Baxter said, Men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. The first and most important step in evangelism is prayer. Now, once you've listed those daily items, and they may be very different for you, there's, there's you know, you may want to go to God and say, God, what do you want me to pray for daily? You may pray about what you should pray for. And once you've listed those daily items, then place other things distributed throughout your week. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you have six missionaries and one on each day. You want to pray for some different nations. Pray for Spain and Japan, some places where our missionaries are. Maybe you have specific concerns. Uh, Maybe you have a job concern. 
Maybe there are people you work with you want to pray for. You certainly want to pray for your church, people in your small group, your pastors and elders, your political leaders, those in the city, in the state, the nation, your kids, grandkids, their schools, social issues, your things that concern you, uh, possible wars, abortion, homelessness, poverty. The list can go on and on. What, what is God laying on your heart to be in prayer about? And those can, you know, you have, as I've done this, you know, there's plenty of room on each day. So, most of us can't pray for all these things every day, but when you distribute them over uh, seven days, you can pray for many, many things throughout the week. You can add and take away from your list. I mean, it's helpful to just not throw it away, but, you know, every couple months, start a new one, you know, copy the things over that you want to continue and add, add different ones. So the first part of developing a plan for prayer would be to write out your prayers. And I've just given you, that's just my one suggestion. There's probably lots of others, maybe even some better ways. The point is you need to develop a method to help you stay focused in your times of prayer. Then second, second thing I found very helpful is pray through Scripture. There is great power in praying through the Word of God. Your prayer time and Bible reading time don't have to be separate. Okay, I'm reading the Bible now. Now I'm praying. In, in fact, it would be best if they, if they weren't separate. If you ask, what, what do I pray for, for myself, my family, my church, and the missionaries and city and nations, the answer is pray Scripture. God's Word reveals God's will and His ways. What you want for yourself, what you want for others, more importantly, what God wants for your, you and others. And let me say this, I, I, I mentioned this, I was talking to Don this morning, uh, that uh, oftentimes I think we have a problem both with Scripture and with prayer is we're all about, even though I've told you to make this list, don't be tied to that list, we're all about quantity instead of quality. You know, when you read your Bible, make sh- don't just read it because i got to read a chapter today. Read it for what God is, is speaking to you about. Read it for the knowledge of Him. And when you pray, you know, maybe you don't get through your whole list that day because, oh, I'm stuck on this person and I'm praying uh, a long time for this person. So be uh, more concerned with quality than quantity. As you see God in the pages of His Word, pray that God would make Himself known and loved in the, in the lives of the people you pray for. And as you see His will, pray that God will cause it to be done in, in your life and the life of those you're praying for. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in Sean's life as it is in heaven. I can pray for Sean. You can pray through uh, the prayers that are recorded in the Bible. Just pray through. There are lots of prayers. Pray through those. Apply them directly to your situation, people in your life. Psalms filled with prayers. You can also pray specific biblical values for people. For example, if you want to pray for someone and you just want to go deep, Lord, you're putting this person on my heart. 
how, how do I pray for them? I don't, I don't even know what they need. Well, Father, uh, maybe you pray the Beatitudes for them. Father, grant Bob would recognize his poverty of spirit. Let him mourn for his sins and, and not be indifferent or unconcerned for his own soul. Work a meekness into his heart. Grant him to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Give him the heart of a peacemaker and a reconciler. Make him pure and keep, his, and keep him pure, O Lord. And if, and if your will for him is to be persecuted, give him grace to count it a joy and to remember that his reward is great in heaven. Pray those kind of things for the people in your life. Oftentimes, we, uh, our prayer uh, requests, and I'm all for these, but they oftentimes just focus on uh, physical health, particular situation. But most of the prayers in Scripture are about spiritual health, spiritual situation. Don't forget... Go ahead and continue to pray for uh, Helen's physical health. Pray for her spiritual health as well. Pray that God would be comforting her. Pray that she, even in, in this time of difficulty, she would be growing in her relationship with the Lord, that she would be meeting God and trusting in Him in, the, in a very difficult time. Praying like this is powerful because it's God's Word, it's God's will that you're praying. So as part of your plan for prayer, rely on God's Word to guide your prayers. And again, don't, don't think, you know, go for quality, especially when you're praying for me. Huh? Sorry. One final uh, part to include in your prayer plan, pray with other Christians, which means you have to be around them. Remember, in the context of prayer, Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. There is power as we gather together in Christ's name and express our worship and our prayers to Him. This is so important to build into your life, into your families. Families should be praying together. Churches, Bible studies, small groups pray together. You may have noticed that over the past several weeks, uh, Sean has been coming up and coming forward and praying as we begin our service. This is something we've added uh, to help, help us take the opportunity to pray together for one another. And maybe there are more things we can do in that sort of area, even on Sunday morning. And each of us should look for opportunities to pray with and for one another. This is key to building uh, genuine relationships. That's what we'll talk about next week. So this morning, we've seen what prayer is. We've seen that God delights in our prayers. He delights in us asking Him for things, so continue to do that, but be willing to hear no sometimes, I guess would be a good, a good thing. We've seen our need to devote ourselves to prayer. And we've given some specific practical steps to be disciplined in prayer. Now, I'd like to conclude with a personal and uh, some might even say selfish request. I believe uh, that Bridges Church can have a greater impact on our community in Riverside, in the world, through sending folks out into it than we're currently having. 
as we seek to, to come back, if you will, from uh, these difficulties, COVID, shutdowns. God has already given us some answers to prayer. We have uh, Brian. He's doing a great job. He left. He walked out on my sermon. Mm. He may be fired. No, just kidding. Uh, he's going down to play some games with the youth. They enjoy that. And Liam just answered that prayer. I mean, these are a couple of big things that we've been praying about. And I believe that God wants us to meet people's needs as a church. He wants to use us as individuals where we live and in this community to help meet people's physical needs and emotional needs and most importantly, spiritual needs. God wants to use us to bring people to Christ and to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. God wants us to bring Him glory in this world. But I'm convinced that this will not happen unless each of us take prayer seriously. Yes, we need good preaching and worship and leaders and small groups and youth and children's ministry. We need plans and vision and all that. But the key to truly meeting people's needs and bringing glory to God is prayer. It's showing we're dependent on Him. It's showing that our strategies, all, uh, even well-conceived, will come to nothing unless we take them to Him. As we express our dependence on God through requests, asking Him for guidance and direction, asking Him for wisdom and power, asking Him to use us in ministry to give us vision and a heart for the lost, to work in and through us for His glory and for our good. We need to pray for the ministries at Bridges. Now we can do this in our own, on our own, and I hope we do. We can do this in small groups. I'd encourage the leaders of our small groups to set aside times of prayer, not only for the needs of one another, but for our church. And we, we also have a Sunday morning prayer time. Currently, this prayer time is online. It's a Zoom meeting from 8.30 to 9. Sean leads that. And if you'd like to join, there's a link in the online bulletin we send out. I just thank God for those that are, continue to uh, persevere and continue to meet. Also, I've been talking to Sean about moving the prayer time back to in-person here at the church. So stay tuned for more details on that. If I, as your pastor, could make one request of this congregation, it would be that we all would spend more time praying for our church, praying for our ministries, our small groups, our Sunday morning service, praying for one another and the impact we have in our communities, praying for the impact bridges can have in this community and beyond. And with that in mind, I, I'm just going to conclude with a, a true story. I've shared it before. But I pray it challenges you to consider making prayer for your church a regular part of your prayer life. Five young college students were spending a Sunday in London. This is a number of years ago. So they went to hear the famed C.H. Spurgeon preach. While waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man who asked, Gentlemen, let me show you around. 
Would you like to see the heating plant of this church? They were not particularly interested, for it was a hot day in July. But they didn't want to offend the strangers, so they consented. The young, man, the, the young men were taken down a stairway, a door was quietly opened, and their guide whispered, this is our heating plant. Surprise, the students, the students saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this incredible gift. Lord, we uh, humble people, people with, uh, with difficulties and troubles and things in life, people that are not, not noble, people that are weak and fail, you have given us a gift, and that gift is uh, to enter into your presence, to come to you in prayer, to beseech you for our needs, Lord. And I pray, I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would schedule a time to do that, that we would schedule a time in your word and in prayer, that we would, when, when things come up in our lives, difficulties, hardships, just regular daily things, the first thing on our mind would, I need to take that to the Lord. When we're unsure of what to do, first thing that would come to our mind, I need to take that to our Lord. Father, I pray that we would be, that we would be people of prayer. That we would seek our good and your glory through coming to you with every need. With our own needs, the needs of our family and our friends and our Christian brothers and sisters in Christ and our church, Father, that we would bring them to you and put them in your hands. And we faithfully, we trust you that you're faithful to answer in, in the ways that are best for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.